0: In our first reading, we encounter uh, a very, very rare image, uh, a very rare uh, sequence of events. It's the leaders of the church debating the thorny issues of the day. And it's never happened ever since that the people in the church would debate the thorny issues of the day. Um, As difficult as it is to imagine, uh, the church has had her fair share of debates, such as the one we see here in our first reading. This particular situation was debating whether or not new converts, who were Gentiles, had to first enter into the old covenant of Judaism in order to become Christian. Whether they had to be circumcised in order to enter into the new covenant. And eventually, the apostles determined, no, they did not have to, because Christ came uh, to fulfill the new law, and so the precepts of the old law do not fully apply Uh, There will be, again, many other subsequent debates, especially in the early centuries of the Church. Whether the nature of the Trinity, those three persons, one God, the role of Mary in the Church, or even the definition of the Mass. In all of these situations, though, how do we know that the Church made the right decisions? How do we know that the Apostles and their successors chose rightly? We get our answer in the gospel today, where Christ promises to to send to us the Holy Spirit. He says to us, the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. After Jesus would physically leave this world at his ascension, it would be the Holy Spirit who would be that guiding force for the church In the early years in particular, and we know that that is still true today. So brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit guides Holy Mother Church. The Holy Spirit has guided the church from the time of the apostles all the way to our present time. And it's in this gospel that Jesus first, you could say, promises the Holy Spirit to his apostles. And it sort of sets us up for the next two weekends, liturgically speaking. Because next weekend we will celebrate the Ascension when Jesus ascends to his Father and leaves his disciples and us to complete his saving work on earth. And the weekend after, two weeks from now, will be Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is sent to the apostles to assist the church in that mission of preaching and teaching. So Jesus is sort of setting us up for when he is no longer physically here, and it would instead be, you could say, the Holy Spirit as the driving force of the church. Now, some people might ask that if the Holy Spirit really is guiding the church, then why do we see members of the church sinning or doing bad things, or even how can a church consisting of and run by imperfect people make the right decisions? We're no strangers to questions of this in our own day. Well, brothers, all of us are sinners. There is no doubt about it. Every member of the body of Christ is a sinner. But we do not make the church holy. God does. And if anything, it is the Holy Spirit that overcompensates for our weaknesses and our faults as sinful members of that body. We are not the guiding force of the church, you and I. Instead, it is the Holy Spirit. And while the church is, yes, composed of sinners, it is infused with the grace of of the Holy Spirit. Maybe one way that this is beautifully illustrated is in one of my favorite churches in the entire world. It's the Basilica of St. Paul outside the walls in Rome. If any of you have ever been there, you can't miss it. Well, first of all, it's the burial place of St. Paul, so you should all sort of go there. Uh, but also, it's got a really, really cool way of describing this reality. The Holy Spirit is guided, or the church is guided by the Holy Spirit. Because around the top of the church, sort of ringing every, every way around the entire church, are circular mosaics. They're about six feet in diameter. And there is one for every pope, from Peter to Francis. They put it up shortly after the man is elected. You see this unbroken line from the time of Christ to our present day, from Peter to Francis. And it's a beautiful, beautiful image to see apostolic succession in play in one building. And if you go there, it's a beautiful church as well. If you go there and look at the pictures of the the men on those walls, you can see the pictures of some great saints. St. Gregory the Great, St. Leo the Great, Pius X, John Paul II. Some of the greatest saints in the church's history. But you'll also see the pictures of some dirty, rotten scoundrels as well right next to some of those great saints sometimes, in fact. And when you see the juxtaposition of saints and scoundrels together, the only thought that can really come to your mind is, how on earth is this church still standing? Not just this building, but the church as a whole. And it is a beautiful testament to the Holy Spirit that our faith has not changed. The church is still here. And that despite the imperfect people that make up the church, it is still standing. The faith has never changed, it's never been compromised. Our church has not just survived, but it has thrived to be over a billion strong. Any other purely human institution, with the leaders the church has had and some of the members the church has had, would have long been gone by now. And yet the church still stands. That is all the evidence we need to know that the Holy Spirit is the one guiding the church through good leaders and bad ones, through times of good and times of turbulence. Maybe another way we can look at this is in one of the most common images that the church is often depicted as. It's one of the most ancient, and it's one of my favorite. It's the church as a boat, and we're all in it, going toward a destination, going towards heaven, you could say. And St. Peter is at the helm of the boat, steering it, navigating it, And what does, at least in ancient times, a a ship captain do on a sailboat to navigate, especially at night? Well, he looks at the stars, right? The stars that direct us and show us the way. And the stars, of course, are Mary and the saints who show us the way, who shine like bright lights to show us the way to God. But as we know, a good boat with a good captain, even on a clear night, is nothing without wind. And the wind is the Holy Spirit that moves that boat, the church, toward her destination, toward God. And our job as people of God is simply to hoist the sails of sanctifying grace and cooperate with that wind so we can get to where we need to be, to Christ. I'm sure, there can be times when that sea is rough. it can feel that God is nowhere to be found, but he is still there, guiding that boat through the work and the wind that is the Holy Spirit. So sometimes we might see our church under duress from within or without, or seeing debates in the church, such as what we saw in our first reading, or it can be difficult to understand certain things that we do. But brothers and sisters, we have confidence that no matter what, no matter what, the Holy Spirit is at work guiding the church. That is the promise of Jesus in our gospel. And who are we to doubt his words? The early church father, St. Irenaeus, I think, described it quite well. He said, For where the church is, there is the Spirit of God. And where the Spirit of God is, there is the church and every kind of grace. Brothers and sisters, let us give thanks for this promise of the Holy Spirit that we hear about in our gospel that guides us and has guided the church for centuries and will continue to guide her still. And may we trust in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth that will always lead us to God himself.